Thank you, everyone, for coming in today's podcast. We're going to be doing the Zoom readings. My buddy Rick and I are in the program, as you know. Let's go ahead and open it up with the uh, set-aside prayer, please. Lord, help me to set aside everything I think I know about you, everything I think I know about myself, everything I think I know about others, and everything I think I know about recovery my own for a new experience in you, Lord, for a new experience in myself, for a new experience in my fellow man, and a much-needed experience in my recovery, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's go ahead and start from page 24. Uh, The fact is that most alcoholics, for reason yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. The only certain consequences following even a glass of beer do not crowd the into the mind to deter us. If these thoughts occur, they are hazily supplanted and ready and and ready to plan it with the ultimate idea that this time we shall handle ourselves like other people. This co- is a complete failure of this kind of defense. That's what keeps one from putting his hands on a hot stove. The alcoholic may say to himself in the most casual way, it won't burn me this time, so here's how, or perhaps he doesn't think at all. How often has some of us begun to drink in this nonchalant way, and after the third or fourth pounded in the bar and said to ourselves, for God's sake, how did I ever get started again? Only to have that thought supplanted by, well, I'll stop with the sixth drink, or what's the use anyhow? <clears throat> when this sort of thing is fully established, an individual with alcohol intensity probably place himself beyond human aid, and unless locked up, may die and go perfectly insane. The stark and ugly past has been confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout history, but by the grace of God, there have been thousands of wars, convincing demonstrations so many of us want to stop but cannot. There is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of our shortcomings, which the process requires for a successful consummation, but we saw that it really worked in others. And we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life and we have been living it. When, therefore, we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have found much of heaven and we have been rocketed into the fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. The great fact is just this, it doesn't less that we've had a deep effect of spiritual experiences which have been revolutionized our whole attitude towards life, towards God, towards our fellows and towards God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is deep miraculous. He has commenced and accomplished those things which we could not ever do by ourselves. Amen. If you are seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there's no middle of the road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible. And if we had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid, we had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could. And the other was to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. 
page 62. Selfish and self-centered is that we think is the root of all our troubles, driven by other forms of self appear to a self-delusion, self-sticking, self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows, they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us, seemingly without provocation, but we rarely find it. Sometimes in the past, we have made decisions based on later placed on us position to be hurt. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourself, and the alcoholic is an extreme example. Self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must or it kills us. God makes that possible, and there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. Many of us have had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them, even though we could have liked to. Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. This is how, why, first of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. We decided that thereafter, of drama of life, God, God was going to be our director. He, uh, he is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father. We are his children. Most good ideas are simple. And, just, and this concept was the keystone of the new triumphant arch, which we passed through freedom. Amen. Well, we sincerely put the position all sorts of moronical things followed. We had a new employer, being all powerful, being provided what we needed. If we uh, kept close to him and performed his work well, established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves and our little plans designed more and more. We became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life as we felt a new powerful and and as we enjoyed peace of mind, it, we discovered how that we could face life successfully. And we become conscious of his presence and began to lose our fear of stage tomorrow and thereafter we were reborn. We were now at step three. Many of us said to our maker as we understood him, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage yourself that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. We thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. Page 76, please. When ready. When ready, you say something like this, my creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. <clears throat> I pray that you remove me from every single defect of character that stands with me by way of my kid way of my usefulness to you and my foes. Grab me the strength as I go out there to do your bidding. Amen. We have now completed step seven. Page 86, please. On awakening. On awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance. For after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is clear or wrong motives. Oh, in thinking about our day, we face the indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. It is where we ask God for inspiration and food of thought or decision. We may we relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answer comes after we try this for a while. What used to be the hunch of occasional inspiration runs gradually because of working part of the mind. Being still and experienced and having to spend conscious contact with God is not probable that we're going to be 
going to be inspired at all times. We want painful presumption, all sorts of obscure actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more a plane of inspiration we'll come to rely upon it. We usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be, that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. If sugar says rewarded, we ask our, our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. If we belong to a religious domination which requires definite morning devotion, we understand that also. If <clears throat> not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers of that, which emphasize the principles we have been discussing. There are many helpful books out there also. Uh, suggestions of these may be obtained by one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are arriving. Use what they have to offer. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show. Humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, Thy will be done. We are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decision. We become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily, for we are not burning up energy foolishly as we did. We were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. It works. It really does. Page 416, please. It helped me a great deal. It helped me a great deal to become convinced that alcoholism was a disease, but not a moral issue. We had been, think, been drinking as a result of compulsion, even though we had not been aware of the compulsion at the time. And that the sobriety is a matter of willpower, not the, the, <clears throat> the people of age have something better that looked much better than what I had I, when I was afraid to try to let go of what I had. In order to try something new, and there was a certain sense of security in the familiar. At last, acceptance proved to be the key to my drinking problem. After I've been around AA for seven months, tapering off alcohol and pills, not finding the program working very well, I was finally able to say, Okay, God, it is true that I, of all people, strange as it may seem, and even though I didn't give my permission, really, 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 I'm an alcoholic of sorts, and it is all right with me. Now, what am I going to do about it? When I stopped living in the problem and began living in the answer, the problem went away. From that moment on, I have not had a single compulsion to drink. And except for the end of all my problems today, when I'm disturbed, is because I find some person, place, or thing in a situation that impacted my life unacceptable to me. I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, or situation as being exactly the way it's supposed to be at the moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing, happens in God's world by mistake. Until I accept my alcoholism, I cannot stay sober. Unless I accept my life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world, but on what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. Shakespeare said, all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. He forgot to mention that I was the chief critic. I was always able to see the flaw in every person, every situation, and I was always glad to point it out because I knew you wanted perfection just as I did. 
AA and acceptance have taught me that there's a bit of good in the worst of us and a bit of bad in the best of us, that we are all children of God and we have a right to be here. When I complain about me or about you, I am complaining about God's handiwork. I am saying that I know better than God. For years, for years, I was sure the worst thing that could happen to a nice guy like me would be that I would turn out to be an alcoholic. Today, I find it's the best thing that has ever happened to me. This proves I don't know what's good for me, and if I don't know what's good for me, then I don't know what's good or bad for you or for anyone else. So I am better off if I don't give advice, don't figure I know what's best, and just accept life on life terms as it is today, especially my own life, as it actually is. Before AA, I judged myself by my intentions while the world was judging me by my actions. Except as the answer to my marital problems, uh, as, as, as though AA had given me a new pair of glasses. Max and I have been married now for 35 years. Prior to our marriage, she was a shy, scrawny adolescent that was able to see things of her that others necessarily couldn't see. Things like beauty, charm, gay, a gift for being easier to talk to, and a sense of humor, many other fine qualities. Uh, where am I? <laughs> to a sense of humor uh, and other fine qualities, uh, as if I had rather than a mind's touch, which turns everything into gold, a magnified mind that magnifies whatever it focuses on. Over the years, I was thought I was, I thought about Max, and her good qualities grew and grew. We were married, and our, all these qualities became more and more apparent to me, and they. And we were happier and happier. But then as I drank more and more, the alcohol seemed to affect my vision. Instead of continuing to see what was good about my wife, I began to see her defects. And the more I focused my mind on her defects, the more they grew and multiplied. Every defect I pointed out to her became greater and greater. Each time I told her she was a nothing, she receded a little more into nowhere. The more I drank, the more she wilted. Then one day in AA, I was told that I had the lenses in my glasses backwards. The courage to change the serenity prayer meant not that I should change my marriage, but rather that I should change myself and learn to accept, accept my spouse as she was. AA has given me a new pair of glasses. I can again focus on my wife's good qualities and watch them grow, grow, and grow. I can do the same thing with AA, meaning the more I focus my mind on the defects, late start long drunk and long cigarette smoke the worst meeting becomes but but when I try to see what I can add to the meeting rather than what I can get out of it when I focus my my mind on what's good about it I rather what's wrong with it the meeting gets better and better and better when I focus on what's good today I have a good day when I focus on what's what's bad I have a bad day if I focus on the problem the problem increases if I focus on the answers the answers increase Page 420, please. Perhaps the best thing of all for me is to remember that my serenity is inversely proportional to my expectation. The higher my expectations of Max and other people are, the lower is my serenity. I can watch my serenity will arise when I discard my expectations, but then my rights try to move in, and they too can force my serenity level down. I have to discard my rights as well as my expectations by asking myself, how important is it really? How important is it compared to my serenity, my emotional sobriety, and when I place more valuable on my serenity and sobriety than on anything else, I can maintain them at a higher level. 
at least for the except time for, being. <laughs> except there's a key to my relationship with God today. I never just sit around and do nothing while waiting to tell me what to do. Rather, I do whatever in front of me that has been done, and I, and I leave the results up to Him. However, that turns out God's will for me. I must keep my magnified mind on my acceptance and off my expectations, for my serenity is directly proportional to my level of acceptance. When I remember this, I can see I've never had it so good. Thank God for it. Thank God. Amen. Page 552, please. He said, in effect, if you have a resentment you want to be free of, if you will pray for that person or the thing that you resent, you will be free. If you will ask in prayer for everything you want for yourself to be given to them, you will be free. Ask for their health, their prosperity, their happiness, and you will be free. Even when you really don't really want it for them and your prayers are merely just words and don't mean it. Go ahead. Do it anyway. Do it every day for two weeks and you will find you have come to mean it and to want it for them. And you will realize that where you used to feel bitterness and resentment and hatred, you now feel compassionate, understanding, and love. <laughs> it worked for me then, it worked for me many times since. It will work for me every time I'm willing to work it because I have, I have to ask first for the willingness, but it always comes. And because it works for me, it will work for all of us. And another great man says, the only freedom a human being can ever know is doing what he has to do because he wants to do it. This great experience, experience has released me from bondage of hatred and replaced it with love. Really just another interpretation of the truth I know. I get everything I need from Alcoholics Anonymous. And everything I need, I get. When I get what I need, I am very fine. That is just what I want all the time. Amen. Page 100, please. Both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize that the things which came to us, when we put ourselves in God's hands, were better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and a wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstance. Page 83, please. If you're painstaking about this phase of our development, we were made before we were halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom and a new, hap and a new happiness. We will not regret the past or shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace no matter how far down the scale we have gone. We will, we will see how far the experience can benefit others. The feeling of usefulness and self-pity will disappear and we will lose interest in our selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away and our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. The fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. And we will suddenly realize what God is doing for us, what we could, what we, what, for us, what we could do for ourselves. Amen. Page eight. Extravagant promises? We think not. We're being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. Amen. Work, work, work. Page 85, please. It is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle fall. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve 
contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It is the proper use of the will. <laughs> Much has been already said about receiving strength and inspiration and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. We were careful to follow uh, directions. We have begun a sense of flow of his spirit into us. To some extent, we have become God conscious. And we believe, and we've begun to develop a vital success, but this means more, which means more action. Page 43, please. Once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink, except in a few rare cases. Neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. D.N. Beautiful, beautiful, wonderful readings. Amen. Thank you, Rick. We did it in 20 minutes. Let's, let's pray out with the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Keep coming back. All right. Okay, we'll we'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Thank you, everyone. All right, we'll be here tomorrow. We'll be lifting these words, like going to the gym. A half hour a day keeps us sharp as knives. Iron sharpens iron. And lifting and considering these words... Uh, gives us a defense against stupid, against a narcissist, uh, controlling issues, people are trying to control us, and we're free. In Jesus' name. Have a great day. Give them heaven. Thank you for coming in here. Thank you, everyone, it for coming. Yeah, it might have been worse. <laughs> Go, let's, let's pray. God. I set aside everything I think I know about you, myself, my fellow man, and this program for a fresh new idea in you, in myself, and my fellow man, and these 12 steps. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Okay, we're going to read about two or three paragraphs at the first page, and then we're going to jump to the meat of it, okay? To the back of it. Okay, go go ahead and start us off, please. It might have been worse. Alcohol and was a looming cloud in the banker's broad, bright sky. Uh, with, with I, my glasses are kind of messed up. With rare uh, foresight, he realized he could become a tornado. How can how can one, a person with fine family and uh, attractive home and excellent position and high standing as an in, in, in an important city become an alcoholic? 
as I later found out that Alcoholics Anonymous alcohol is is no receptor to the economic status, social and business standing or intelligence. As I rise from the majority of American boys coming from the family of a modest circumstances attending the public schools, having social life in a small midwestern town and part and part time work for some uh, part-time work uh, part-time uh, I like is some uh, athletics the ambition uh, to succeed and uh, is instilled in, uh, in me and by my Scandinavian parents who have come to this country where opportunities were so great <clears throat> keep busy always have something constructive to do. I, I worked all day. I mean, I worked. I did work of all kinds of after school, during vacation. I think I'm skipping a lot. No, know. you're doing good. Was he trying to find which I uh, would be appealed most to the goal of my life? Work. <clears throat> when I was when when there was more time service to to interrupt plans. And an education to poke to pick me up after the war. After that came a marriage. <clears throat> Getting started with a business and family. The story was not so very different from that of thousands of other young men in the generation. It shows nothing or no one can blame alcoholism. All right, let's go ahead and jump over to page 350 where it says it, uh, 350, next page over. Okay. It, at the bottom, and 351, it now became necessary to have noon drinks, at first just two, then gradually more. My hours of work were flexible, so that returning to the office was not always important. Then I became careless and returned sometimes when I shouldn't have. This worried me. The last two years of my drinking, my entire personality changed to a cynical, intolerant, and arrogant person. Completely different from my normal self. It was at this stage of my life that resentments came in, resenting anyone and everyone who might interfere with my personal plans and ways of doing things, especially any interference with my drinking. I was full of self-pity. Who will never know how people have hurt. I heard all the friends and abused by humiliation of my family and the worry of a business associates. How could I, how, so, or how far reaching was it? I continue to be as surprised as the people I've met say, no, uh, you haven't drank, you haven't had a drink for a long time. Know that they knew my drinking had gotten me out of control. <clears throat> that we were really flooded, a fool, sorry, we were really fooled. We think we can drink and uh, too excessive with, without any you knowing of it, anyone's knowing of it, just the uh, others. <clears throat> we uh, rationalize and, and execute the conduct beyond all reason. Hey man, let's, let's, uh, stop. let's jump over, over to... Uh... The bottom of 352, next page over. The bottom of 352? Yeah. 
There came a time when you don't want to live and are afraid to die. Some crisis bring you to a point of deciding to do something about your drinking problem to try anything. Helping you once continually reject it. Suggestions once turned aside are finally accepted in desperation. The the final decision came when my daughter, following a drunk of mine that ruined my wife's birthday, said, It's alcoholics or else. Of course, this suggestion had been made before on numerous occasions. But like all alcoholics, I wanted to handle my problem my own way, which really meant I didn't want anyone to interfere with my drinking. I was trying to find an easier, softer way, but now it had become difficult to visualize a life without alcohol. Pass. However, my, my low and had been reached, I realized I had been going down and down, and I was unhappy with myself, and I thought, and I brought unhappiness to all who cared for me. Physically, I could I couldn't take it anymore. Cold sweats, jumpy nerves, a lack of sleep, and were becoming intolerable mentally, and the fears of tensions and complete change of my attitude and the outlook toward bewildered me. <clears throat> this was no way to live. The time for a decision had arrived. It was a, a relief to say the yes that I'm all family said that it would be alcoholic anonymous for me a relief uh, even thought i dreaded it feeling that i was the end of, of everything early the next morning a man whose name i knew well a lawyer called on me within 30 minutes i knew aa was the answer for me we visited most of the day and attended a meeting that night i don't know what i expected but I most certainly didn't visualize a group of people talking about their drinking problems, making light of their personal tragedies, and at the same time, enjoying themselves. However, after I heard a few stories of jails, sanatoriums, broken homes, and skid row, I wondered if I was really an an alcoholic. After all, I hadn't started to drink early in life, so I had some stability and maturity to guide me for a while. My responsibilities have been a restraining influence. I had had no brushes with the law, though I should have had many. I had not yet lost my job or family, even though they were on the verge of going. My financial standing had not been impaired. Go ahead. Could I be an alcoholic? I have heard of a meeting and the answer came with me very simply in the first step of the 12 step AA. I admitted that we were powerless over alcohol and that I had, my life had become unmanageable. This didn't say that I had to go to jail, that I had, that I had to be in jail 10, 50, or more 100 times. I didn't say to I I didn't say I had to lose family and I didn't say I had to lose to finally give live on Skid Row and drink 
bay rum, uh, candy, uh, lemon extract, and I did I uh, did did say uh, one admitted to was powerless over alcohol that my life had become unmanageable. Most certainly, I was powerless over alcohol, and for me, my life had become unmanageable. It wasn't, however, I had gone far. I had gone, but where I was headed, it was important to me to see that alcohol, what alcohol had done for me, and would continue to do if I didn't have help. At first, it was a shock to realize I was an alcoholic, but then the realization that there was hope made it easier. The baffling problem of getting drunk when I had every intention of staying sober was simplified. It was a great relief to know I didn't have to drink anymore. I was told that I must want sobriety for for my own sake, and I am convinced that it's true. There are may, there may be many reasons that bring one to AA for the first time, but the lasting one must be the to be one sobriety and the AA way of life for oneself. From the start. From the start, I had liked uh, everything about AA program. I, I liked the description of alcohol as a person who had formed, uh, found a alcoholic as interfering with his social and business life. <clears throat> the allergy idea I could understand because I have, I have, I am allergic to certain uh, potions. Did I say that right? That sounds good. Okay. Okay. Potions. <laughs> As <laughs> some of my family were allergic to certain types of food, <clears throat> that's what, including myself, uh, were allergic to alcohol. Oh, that that word was pollens. 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 Pollen. Pollen. Pollens. The explanation that alcoholism was a disease of a twofold nature, an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind cleared up a number of puzzling questions for me. The allergy we could do nothing about. Somehow our bodies had reached the point where we could no longer absorb alcohol in our systems. The why is not important. The fact is that one drink will set up a reaction in our system that requires more. That one drink is too much and a hundred... Drinks are not enough. The obsession with my mind was a little harder than to understand, yet everyone was obsessions of various kinds. The alcohol had been uh, in, 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 what's that you said? Uh, the, the obsession? No, the, no, the alcoholic no. had them to an exaggerated degree? Part of his life 
living in a fear of tension invariably results in something like that. In Washington, to erase all of the tensions, the, which alcohol seems to do temporarily. I took some time to realize that I that the 12 steps of AA were designed to keep people connected, defects and defects of character, and, and so help remove the obsession to drink. The 12 steps were, for me, are a spiritual way to living soon, meant honest thinking. Uh, not uh, wishful thinking, open-mindedness and willingness to try and and the faith of to accept. See, they meant uh, pretense, tolerable and humbly, and above all, the brief that the power greater than themselves could uh, could help. Uh, the power I chose to call God. Amen. Let's go ahead and move to page 357, uh, the middle paragraph where it says, There are many short phrases and expressions in AA that make sound sense. First things first, things first solves our immediate problem before we try to solve all others and get muddled in our thinking and doing. Easy does it. Relax a little. Try for inner contentment. No one individual can carry all the burdens of the world. Everyone has problems. Getting drunk won't solve them. 24 hours a day, the f- fullest is the art of living. 24 hours a day, today is the, is the day. Doing our best, li- living each day to the fullest is the art of living. Yesterday is gone, and we don't know whether we will be here tomorrow. If we do a good job of living today, and if tomorrow comes for us, then the chances are we will do a good job when it arrives. So why worry about it? Go ahead. The AA way of life is the way always should be tired, tired. Tried? To live. (coughs) Try to live. Uh, Grant me the serenity, accept the things that I cannot change, courage to change the things I can and the wisdom know the difference. These thoughts must be part of our daily lives. They are not ideas of registration, resignation, but they are recognizant of certain uh, basic uh, facts of living. The fact that AA is a spiritual program didn't scare me or raise any prejudice in my mind. I couldn't afford the luxury of prejudice. I had tried my way and had failed. When I joined AA, I did so for the sole purpose of getting sober and staying sober. I didn't realize I would find so much more, but a new and different outlook on life started opening up almost immediately. Each day seemed to be so much more productive and satisfying. I get so much more enjoyment out of living. I find an inner pleasure in simple things. Living just for today is a pleasant adventure. Go ahead, finish it. Above all, above all, the grateful uh, to for to AA and for my sobriety, which seems so much uh, to my family, friends, and business associates. Because of God and AA, I was able to do for something I was unable to do for myself. Amen. Dn. Beautiful, beautiful. That was, that was a good story. 
And uh, l- later on, when we when we, we start early, we'll capture the whole thing. We'll get good at it. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, well, I thought you would like it. Let's go ahead and pray out. Pray out with the Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back. It's working. Looks like it's time for a haircut. What? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll go in right away. Yeah, it's it's that it looks. Somebody told me that today. He said, "Man, who cut your hair? That you changed barbers. You better go back to the other barber." They tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're. I, I ended up spending the same amount of money. I went to one barber. I didn't like it. I went to another barber. She strained it out, and it was the same as the expensive barber. Right. What can you do? Huh? What can you do? Right. God bless you. See you Monday. Give them heaven. Thank you. Uh, We'll see you Monday. Yeah, Monday it is. Good? All right. See you, Rick. Bye-bye. And that's the way we're reading the story on the big book, It Might Have Been Worse, on page 348. We're going to be reading that story all week long next week so we can get good at it and maybe talk on some of the the relationships on that you know what brings uh rings a cowbell a memory so thank you so much for coming on here god bless you give them heaven forget the step six and seven we begin each week we do a review and the first step is the foundation of recovery and we said we was going to do three things. Basically, number first, what is the problem? And it's an Alcoholics Anonymous that we can find the exact nature of our problem. In the big book, Dr. Silkworth explains the problem is twofold. We have a physical problem, a physical allergy, and a mental obsession and these two things together make us powerless over alcohol and I think as we say in great detail when I come to Alcoholics Anonymous I didn't understand the exact nature of my problem I knew that alcohol had something to do with it obviously and I think that many alcoholics realize that that alcohol is involved but how is alcohol involved In order to solve a problem, we have to get to the exact nature of it so we can deal with it. And for many years, you know, I thought all I had to do was just to quit drinking. And I knew after many years that I couldn't drink. I didn't understand. I hadn't heard the physical allergy. He hadn't explained it to me in great detail. When they came and explained it to me in detail, I learned that I had a craving each time I drank, and that was abnormal and never occurred in the average chipper drinker. And therefore, you know, I finally, they explained to me why I couldn't drink safely. I can drink, but I can't drink safely. 
If I took a drink tonight, I, I would experience this phenomenal craving. The same thing would occur. But that's just part of my problem. The understanding that was fine. But the main problem of the alcoholic sinners in his mind rather than the body, it wasn't the fact that I couldn't drink. My main problem was I couldn't quit drink, quit trying to drink. You know, the alcoholic, he talks about this obsession, and as we're going to step two, it talks about restore us to sanity. And once we learn that these two things will be powerless, then our step two talks about a power working on this obsession. You know, restoring us to sanity. Uh, it says when it comes to alcohol, when all other areas, the alcoholic is, we can make good sound judgments in our lives. Uh, we go to work, we, we, uh, I mean, well, alcoholics doing some great things. I mean, they're, they're involved in all facets of life, doing many, many complicated things, you know. It's hard to see how a guy could go to the moon and he, he, but he, he has, didn't have such enough not to drink something that would kill him. You know, but this is man. You know, we, we have great minds, but when it comes to alcohol, we're quite insane. Uh, they didn't say it was crazy. And insane don't mean you're all gone, it just means you ain't all there. You know, we got, <laughs> we got one little piece missing when it comes to alcohol. That's the little piece. And we said, we're coming to believe that a power greater than ourselves, and I love the word, can restore us to sanity. You know, can put this back. So power, working on the obsession, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves. We're powerless, and step two says this power is the answer. And if we have these two, we have come to these two conclusions, and this is progress because this puts the alcoholic in position for something for the first time in his life. You know, from through, through the first 100 people that this was passed down, this information was passed down, down, down from them to us. And for the first time, it, it gives the alcoholic an opportunity. <coughs> for the first time, if an alcoholic has these two sets of information, if he arrives, if he sees that this is his, if his problem is powerless, and if he can see, he can see and believe that this power can restore him to sanity, then he's in position for our recovery. And this is this is problem solving. The first thing you do with a problem is find what is the problem, what is the solution, and then you then you lay out a planned program of action to find this power. And it, and the first step in this is step three. Step three says we stand the turning point. And we make a decision. We choose between this side or this side. And that's quite obvious. You know, when it says that this is each, each individual decision, and we have to choose, make a decision. And if we make this decision for this power, then quite naturally we have to turn over our power. So we have to turn over our will. If we want to find this power, you know, and we have, a, you know, we have self-will. Uh, we've been living off of this thing all our lives. Um, we alcoholics are. Uh, we, we have a lot of that, by the way. And that seems to be the root of our problem. So we make a decision to turn our world and our lives with care of God as we understand it. And then we go to work uh, on removing the things that block us off from this power. Uh, and so the next steps, the first step, in doing that, after we make the decision, it says the decision is very vital and critical, 
But it would have no permanent effect unless we go to work to remove the things that block us out. And so in step four, we start, we start the inventory process of identifying these things. And this is, this is the process of step four. And once we identify these things in step four, we're going to then talk to another individual about them and refine them a little bit in step five. And then after we talk to another individual about them in step six, we're going to become willing to let them go. And in step seven, we're going to ask God to remove them. We can still see how these steps interact, one little gradual process. And then the, whole, the whole foundation of six and seven, as we get to the night, is step four. Because as we went through step four, we had to list and analyze. And this says we had to find the value of these things. It's like taking a commercial inventory. We compared ourselves with a, with a, a business, and we are a business, we said. And we are, uh, we're, about, we're about the business of staying sober, of being happy and contentment. And this is the most important business in human life. Uh, it's not in, uh, uh, you know, most of the time we forget about our business and get involved in everybody else's business and get involved in our job or get involved in our profession and forget all about, forget about our business. And I never did really in my life uh, do much about my business. I always fooled everybody else's business. <laughs> and a business that takes no inventory will go broke. And it did. I, it went broke. And if you're drinking alcohol or taking drugs to, to, to pop up your business, you got a bad, you got some bad business. <laughs> I mean, they, you know, it, it, is something, it just ain't right. So I had to, in this inventory process, I went through and, and went these sheets that were in the big book, using the outline of the big book, I inventoried the, the gross of handicaps, and they talked about resentments, and we listed and analyzed those resentments. And in those uh, resentments, we saw uh, what people did to us and uh, who they were and what caused it, and we saw which part of self was affected. Then we saw what within our character allowed these things to happen. And as we examined that more, with more and more, we found out it was not to other people's fault. You know, most of every, every resentment I, we ever have and every fear and every harm we do to other people is caused by that inherent characteristic that's in us. You know, that's what sets the ball rolling. You know, it's the thing that within us that actually triggered that resentment. But over the years, we've blamed that on people so long that, you know, when someone does something, we blame it on them, blame it on them, and justify ourselves. We, you know, I was just there being good, and they did that to me. But the truth was, you know, we set the ball rolling. And we played this over and over so much, justifying ourselves, uh, you know, excusing our wrong and involving other people that we can hardly see that. But when we go through the inventory process, we, we get these things out in paper. We see the exact nature of our problem. In step five, we can discuss that with another human being. Now, the exact nature of my resentments was my own selfishness, dishonesty, inconsideration. My, my own frightness, these character defects, that was the exact nature of my fears. That was the exact nature of the harm that I caused other people. It was never their fault. 
And see, we were created as God. We are created by God to be free people. We were created free whether we like it or not. You know, we, we give our lives of the way, but we were created free. Now, God didn't create us to where our happiness is in the hand of someone else's. It's in our own hands. But as we give our lives away on a day-to-day -day basis, as we start getting into resentments and fear, we turn our lives over to the thing we resent. We turn our lives over to the thing we fear. You know, I had a lot of people I didn't like, and I just turned my life to them every morning. And we get so good at this. You know, I probably don't have to work in resentments. You know, fact, you'd be automatic. Yeah, I got so hurt. Uh, I, could, I could see people driving down the street and just resenting them, didn't even know them. I mean, I, you know, if they looked at me, I could say, I know what they're saying. <laughs> and if they spoke, said, how are you? I said, they didn't mean that. And if they didn't speak, I was mad. Do you know <laughs> And we, we just, uh, you know, we just live off of these resentments. And we live off of these fears. And we can't see anything, you know, any other way. So, once we get these things down on paper, then we take this to another person. And this is a central thing. I think beautiful how step five lays right in there between the inventory and this going to work process. Because, you know, if we just did inventory, we might make, you know, we haven't been honest with ourselves all our lives. We said that we talked about the alcoholic can't be honest with himself. He, he has to be a con artist to be an alcoholic. There's no way you can have any honesty and destroy your life like we do. So we, we will con everybody else, and the greatest kind of job we've done on ourselves. And so why, how can it possible in step four, even though we made this decision to turn our will and our life to the care of God, we, we have to have, you know, to, to do the inventory, we have to take step three. I mean, there's no way an alcoholic can take step four without taking step three. Because he has to have something to go through this facade and this conning. How could he take a searching fear of this immoral inventory without step three? But even with that, just to begin, he still can't be as honest with himself. He's as honest with as he can be at that time. And that's all, that's all we can be today, as honest as we can be. We're not honest. We're honest as we can be. And we only know, and the truth is just as good as I see it, you know what I mean? But so we, uh, we have to carry this to another individual. In step five, we carry this to another individual. who can look at these things, and he is not involved in our life. And he's also been through the same process. You know, if we go to someone who's been through the program, knowledgeable, our sponsor, he went through this process. And we thank God we have many people around today who can go over these, go over our inventory with us. And as they go through our inventory, they can look at these things. You know, they, they weren't involved in them. And I'm sure that as they go through the inventory, they're going to make some changes in our inventory. You know, they're going to say, well, they're going to question you about this. So this resentment here, do you think that was caused by this part of self or was caused by this part of self? And I'm sure that they're going to improve on our inventories. Changes are they're going to find, well, this character effect was involved in this one. And they're going to get to the exact nature of each one of the things on our list. So that the, the, the step five is a very positive process. Because it says after we get this, you know, we get some of our greatest relief after step five. But then after we do that, this brings us to Step five, we'll, we'll inventory those things. 
And this is why the inventory process is so important when we look at step six and seven. You know, because there's no way we could work six or seven unless we, unless we found the value of these things in our lives. We have to know the value. And once we go through these things in our own inventory, then go through, go through them with another individual, and we have burned in our mind the real value of these things in our lives. We can't fool ourselves about values. We're looking at the stock and trade. We're looking at what we trade off each day. Come this is what our lives today. Our lives today is based on the thoughts that we trade off each day. And we often always say that we got some unsellable goods. We got some stuff we don't nobody buy. Hmm. Nobody buys into that but us. And we, each day, my life is based on the thoughts that I produce. Uh, you know, I always walked around waiting for some good luck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I said, wait for my ship to come in. My pier hadn't been built yet, you know. <coughs> but what are the thoughts that we trade off each day? And if we, if we, if we went through, we didn't know. Because we had to inventory our stock. After we inventoried our stock, we're talking over another individual. Now we're ready to go back in business at six or seven. You know what I mean? We're ready to open the store up. You know we're ready to talk about, you know, what, we, what we're going to hold back and what we're going to, and this is what 6 and 7 is, it's all about what am I willing to let go of? What am I willing to let go of? And I know that, you know, as we look at, and we can only grow based on that fact, by the way. Everybody wants to grow. Everybody wants something good, but nobody don't want to get rid of nothing. <laughs> Everybody wants something good. But, we, you know, we're talking about if you're 100% there, and I, it's like I woke up this morning. Um, when I wake up in the morning, this thing comes on. I mean, it's full. I mean, it just comes, boom, you know, and it's on. And I don't have no empty spots all day. You know, I got people say, well, I, my mind don't go blank. My mind is full all day of something, good or bad. <laughs> right? It's for a long day. So if I want to get something new in it, in my mind, I'm going to have to take something out. Okay? And that's why I did the inventory. Because if I hadn't did the inventory, I wouldn't know the value. I wouldn't know which one to take out and which one do I need. This is why the inventory is the foundation of this process. And by going through my inventory, I found out I had a lot of bad stock in trade. And I found out, I see the value of the th type of thinking that I had. I see the damage in process in my life when I read it through my inventory and analyzed it. So now I should be willing to uh, let go. And then my book says that, you know, sometimes it says all through these steps, there's prayer in each step. No, it's not a do-it-yourself thing. It says we ask God to help us be willing. You know what? We know that the alcoholic is not. We're, we're strong-willed individuals. But we ask God to help us be willing. So in step six, and I think step six and seven is really the two twos. It looks to me, I, I kind of see, you know, don't, we don't need a lot of instructions for step six and seven in the big book. There's two paragraphs, two short paragraphs in the book. And I probably the reason we don't, they are not really... Uh, 
Uh, when we look at them as tools, they are kind of crude tools. They're sort of like a pick and a shovel. You know, I go, you go to a hardware store and buy some of them fancy tools. They give you some instructions, but I ain't never seen instructions on a pick and a shovel. <laughs> I mean, you, you're just supposed to know how to use that thing if you buy it, you know. And there ain't no easy way to do it. It's a simple, but it's very simple, but they're very hard. And this is what step six and seven are. It's where we really, Bill said it in 12 and 12, this is where we separate the men from the boys. This is where the quality of life is. I think that's what's so, fast, so, so great about Alcoholics Anonymous, that we in the program, we all remain our own individuals. We're, in fact, we're individual people and personalities, and that's great. Because each person can work to his degree, and each person, can, each, each person has his different desires and wants in his life. Okay. And when you come to AA, you see all type of people. If some people choose to work one way and a different way, and this is all of them are right. You know, we got all kind of people in AA, all kind of different quality, quality of their lives, and they are all, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. There's no standard in AA. So we got some people in AA that's happy, and you see them smiling all the time. They got a sparkle in the eye, and we see a few of those people, right? Then we see some people in AA that's kind of mediocre. Some days they're pretty good, some days they ain't, you know. And we see some people in AA that you like to buy a drink. You know, they really, they look so miserable. They look so miserable, you say, hey, man, I'd like to buy you a drink. But each and every, he's got it right, this, he's got his right to be that way. You know, if he wants to be a grouch, that's fine. You know? And I have no reason to criticize him because he's all right, that's what he wants. This is the way he chooses to work. He chose to work to that point. See, I don't know where that man started. Uh, so each and, of us, each and one of us has these two tools to fashion our lives. And what this is all about, the step six, is what are we willing to let go of? You know, we gotta create some room. Now this program is, all through the program, if we looked at the steps, we hear people saying, you gotta get something, you gotta get something. I would like to look at it a lot different. Now the steps say, take away, remove the things from me which are objectionable. It says, take away my difficulties. The steps all talk about removing things from our lives. And if we can remove things from our lives, then they will be placed with something that is the opposite. And it's all up to us. What are we willing to let go of? You know, God had this covenant with man, and, and God's not going to come in and take anything out of our lives. He's not going to come and force anything. What are you willing to let go of? And he'll replace based on what you're ready to let go of. This is something what step seven is all about. No, God will put no more in than you can take out. And that's your life. And he respects us. His, he respects, he will not cross that line. You know, and I, I, I had a lot of problem with that. You know, if you don't take an inventory, you don't know the simple, if you don't know really what you need, if you haven't seen the values, you can't really work step six and seven. What I hear a lot of people take, they think that you can just go up and God at step six and seven and say, fix me up. And he said, well, what do you want to fix? Well, just give me the twenty nine ninety five special, you know. <laughs> you know, he don't, he's, he's, he's a Pacific guy. You know, he wants to know. What are you, you know, you, you know in that, he talks about your prayers. He talks about the demon. What are you willing to let go of? And step six is these things, as we let go of these things, then we ask God to remove our shortcomings. And I actually, we look at, we can look at step six 
It's real simple. Step six and seven, he says, when you work one, you have work the other. And they do work, in a way, as twos. Because as we give up things on this side, as we give up things on this side, we find out that we can grow on this side. As we give up some of our shortcomings, we find that it can be replaced by the opposite. All, and we have seen the damage and effect of these things. We've seen how they destroyed our lives. We've talked these things over to other people. So now we should be willing to let go some of these things so they can be replaced with the positive things in our lives. You know what? When we look at six and seven and watch them unfold, uh, we see that as we give up these things, we have to force ourselves over here. It's, it's not. A, it's a very difficult thing. And how do we change? We change by by working against ourselves. And this is very difficult to do. It's very difficult to work against yourself. But that's the way you change. You will never change by doing what you want to do. If you do what you want to do, you will always be the same. You change by making yourself do the things you don't want to do. Everybody, you know, people say, well, I just heard you. I say, well, what do you do? If you keep on giving in to their old thoughts, and when these thoughts come to our minds, the emotions act come, come into our minds, we have to buy into them. We have to lend access to these emotions. When they come up in my life, I've got to put the access to them, and the resentment comes up, I've got to get off into that resentment. Boy, I just went on automatically, zoop, right on with it. And you should love to be in those resentments and share them with other people. <laughs> Boy, somebody would... I'd be going to work some morning, somebody would cut in front of my car. Boy, I love that. <laughs> you know, I'd cuss him and talk about his, 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 his relatives and his <laughs> ancestors. <laughs> and then follow him down, you know, like I said, follow him down the freeway, way past your cutoff. <laughs> And then go to work, you know. And let me tell you, you're right in the clock, and the other guy's up, let me tell you what just happened to me. Boy, this guy over here, I mean, almost killed me. You gotta make it a little worse, you know. <laughs> Mess your whole day up. See, I did this, and man didn't really do this. I allowed this to happen. So I said, I have, now that I didn't know this, and I've seen how damaging that was in my life. Those are the things that caused me to drink. Those things that caused me unhappiness. But you know, I've been doing these things so many, many years. You know what I mean? These are all emotional habits is ingrained. So it's going to be very difficult. And this is, this is what I am, you know. See, a personality is just a, just a, 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 a group of, of thought processes that we have worked at over a period of time. And that's my personality. And I have packed a bunch of garbage, a bunch of unsaleable ideas into my personality. And I have worked at it and, and ingrained these things in, in and in, day after day, month after month, year after year. And this is who I am. Yeah. This is the kind of thing I'm trading off each day. And now I've got to change. I've got to change. Ain't that I wonder, I've got to change.
So if I don't change, I'm gonna go back to drinking. So it's very difficult to change. This is not an easy thing, but then it is. You know, uh, how did I get the personality I got? I worked at it. <laughs> you know, I, I worked at it. I just didn't do it one day. Hell, I worked it day in, day out, day in, day out, day out. And now I gotta work the other way. I gotta work against myself now. I gotta work against myself. And each day, you know, as, and I watch these things, as these old ideas, as my mind, I get up in the morning, it says, these little signs would help says, think, think, think. That's a good little sign. I used to, <laughs> I used to didn't know what think, think, think meant. I said, that's a dumb sign. But it means don't feel, feel, feel. <laughs> it means use your head. And, and it says, uh, uh, easy does it, first things first. Kind of organize your life, slow things down a little bit, because after all, you're wrong most of the time. <laughs> all right, you guys. <laughs> he asked his sponsor, well, "What's wrong with my life?" He said, "We're going to start with all of it, and then we'll find out if you got anything good." <laughs> but and as these things come up, we have, we don't we don't we take ourselves off. I like to say we take ourselves off of the old automatic process for a while, since we know we're wrong. <laughs> Everything we respond to wrong. Instead of just responding automatically, someone would stop and look at it. Easy does it. First things first. And when our mind produces a thought, let's see if that's what we want to do. Let's analyze it. The chances are, you know, it's wrong. And we have to we have to lend the actions to that. As the mind produces these thoughts, we have to buy them with action. And if we put buying into them with action, we see that they're wrong and don't buy into them, our mind will feed us something better. So, mind's got, we got great minds. The alcoholics got great minds. But our minds have us living off of garbage. Uh, the good stuff is uh, untouched. <laughs> Most of us are going to go to graveyard. So, as we don't, as we're willing, what are we willing? If we don't, we really let go of that. That's step six. If we don't, we don't want, we don't want action. What good is that? We've seen the value of it in the inventory. We've seen the damage effects to our lives. We've seen it don't make us no money. It keeps us unhappy. So it ain't good business to buy. That's a bad, that's a bad stock in trade. And as we fail to buy into that stock in trade, it will be, the, the book says, the old ideas will be cast to one side. And a new set of motives will begin to dominate our mind. See, we'll get a new thought process the same way we got an old one by working at it, by working against ourselves. And you know, it's very hard, and this, it didn't say, this is that this was simple, but it's not easy. It's easy to do what you want to do. Like the guy said, if you always do what you always done, you always get what you always got. That's obvious. <laughs> yeah, you will. That's how you know. That's the law. And it's just like if we look at these things, and on a daily basis, as my mind brings these things up, you know, I say, oh no, we we did that the other day. You know, and that didn't work. I mean, after all, we need to learn a little lesson. And you, the alcoholics, we got fantastic minds. I mean, I, I've never seen a dumb alcoholic. I see alcoholics do some dumb things. But we got a fantastic mind. 
I said, well, what I tell all the time about this? But that guy that was going to transplant to brains, you know, they transplant a lot of things. And here, this, this guy found out he could transplant brains. And uh, this old fellow was having a lot of problems. And he went to the doctor. He said, well, doctor, I'm having a little trouble. He said, I just can't think too well. He said, I believe I need a new brain. He said, you think you can give, you, give me a new one? He said, well, I don't know. He said, well, let me run some tests, and, and we'll see. So they run a test on him. After a few days, he about to come in and see him and said, all oh, the tests were fine. He said, you, you're up in age, but uh, you're good physically shape. I believe you'll be a good prospect for a brain transplant. He said, what do you have? What kind of brain can you get? And he said, well, come on in the showroom, and I'll show you what we got. <laughs> and he went there and in the showroom. He said, we got this one here. He said, uh, this is a, a lawyer's brain. He said, it's pretty good in pretty good shape. And said, that would cost you about $20,000. And he said, well, you got anything else? He said, yeah. So we got this uh, doctor's brain over here. He said, it's in fine shape. And it'll run you about 50000 He said, okay. He said, you got anything else? He said, yeah. I got one special case over here. He said, I got a brains of an alcoholic over here. And he said, it's in real good shape. And he said, it'll cost you about $100,000. He said, well, I can't figure that out. He said, why? 20000 for a lawyer, 50000 for a doctor, and 100000 for the brain of an alcoholic. He said, man, the alcoholic's brain is brand new. It ain't never been used. <laughs> <laughs> and truly, that's true. You know, we have never used a real good part. You know, we're living off of our emotions, but we never used our brain. Never use. Never use. So at step six, well, we we we, we can and, and we have that we have you know we have an emotion. Life, our emotions is fine. Emo a certain amount of emotions are part of human life. Uh, if we didn't have this, we didn't have our emotions, we wouldn't be complete human beings. But it's not you ain't supposed to live off of your emotions. Yeah. Suppose you run a business off of your emotions. That's what we're doing. Suppose you run a bank off your emotions. Suppose when somebody come in and say, I want to borrow 100000 you say, I feel like you're an uh, honest man. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't take no credit statement. Man, you wouldn't be in banking business long. And that's what we're doing with our life. Now, we don't want, we want to keep some of that. But we want to be serenity, a good, healthy living as well-balanced people. You know, people that have them. And that's why none of us can be perfect. It's to be like on a teeter. But we all, we just live in all one-sided, you know. And we want to be well-balanced. So what, what, only way we can grow this way, what are we willing to give up over here? Right. And then step four, we should see the damage and effect of these things. And it's all about uh, growing is... One of the great writers in the book talked, the big, big book talked about, growing is about daily dying. Dying daily. You know what I mean? What are you ready to give up? You know, everybody wants want something better, but what are we really, what price are we willing to pay? It's just like a, a grain of corn. Now, if we want to get a, a beautiful stalk of corn with some beautiful ears on it, uh, one stalk has got to die. I mean, one, one kernel of corn has got to die so that stalk can grow. 
Sometimes we have to give up something. That's the same way in life. The only thing we have to give up is the things that's damaging to our lives. No. Uh, they're real valuable. Things. But these things are, are really good to us. You know, first time, you know, early in the program, you know, I was, no, we are, we're afraid we're going to get too good. I don't, that's not, I don't know I, I don't know why we all face with that. You know. uh, I just don't want to get too good. You know. But the, once we see these things, that we give up, as we give up fear, we, we start having courage in our lives. My book talks about we can almost see the absence of some of these things within our personalities, such, such as tolerance. Tolerance is almost, it's there. But it's so short in our lives because it's, it's overrode with resentment. The tolerance is short in our lives. You know, love is short in our lives. It's almost non-existence. But it's there. And love is simply, you know, the basic, our concern for another individual's welfare. It doesn't mean have anything to do with sex, uh, most of us, you know, but love is just a no concern for another individual's welfare. And, and, and as an alcoholic, most alcoholics don't have a concern for other people's welfare. And love begins at home. And most, of, most alcoholics don't have enough concern for their own welfare. And how can they be concerned for somebody else if they're not concerned for themselves? He said, love thy neighbor as thyself. Be concerned about your neighbor as you are about yourself. If you're not concerned about yourself, then you can't be concerned about your neighbor. And this is a this is a natural thing. This is the bond, the thing that bonds man together as a society. And when we don't have this ability on an individual basis, then we can't fit into society. You know, we, we can't. It can't. We don't seem to be able to fit in with people because our basic concern is a healthy, healthy quality of a life to enable us to function and interact with other people. And, and, and people that over here are short of that natural ability or that thing that we need. When I come to Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, I, I was short of this, and they said, yeah, I think Alcoholics Anonymous is a kindergarten because it teaches you these things. First thing you do in Alcoholics Anonymous is is uh, as soon as you get going, they, they show you the show concern for the next alcoholic. And that's a natural thing for an a natural thing for us to work at. We start there, being concerned for other people. And from there, this concern can grow in our lives and grow and grow and grow for the rest of our lives. But we're short of concern for other people. We're short of, we're short of tolerance. The alcoholic, the, our, our surrender prayer says, you know, accept, ask us accept the things we cannot change. And alcoholic don't accept anything. You know, we, we can't tolerate anything that change comes. And he said we're short of patience. Boy, I'm short of patience, God. Here the alcoholics pray the prayer, God grant me patience, patience, but please grant it now. <laughs> the ability to let life happen to us. And that's very difficult for a selfish, self-centered person to do. To let life happen to him. See, an impatient person, life has to happen on his time. <laughs> and it never will anyway. So he'll always have frustrations. So patience, the ability to let life happen, 
and I'd take actions too fast, and I'd get frustrations. It's almost it's a must for a healthy individual. And we'll let some of these resentments go, we'll find out that, that patience will come into our lives. You don't have to work at patience. You don't have to work at love. You have to work at tolerance. These things will come if you work against and not act out the things that, that are destroying your life. You have to fight against those things. Well, it's a matter of, of, of each day, of daily dying. It's a matter of, as these things come up each day, we'll inventory them and we've been through them. And we can grow and grow for the rest of our lives. And uh, these two steps enable us to continue to grow for the rest. Our lives are based on the use of these two steps. Now, with this, you know, it comes an awful lot of responsibility. You know, if you've got, the, if you've got the, these, two, these steps and you're working them in your life, then after you learn to use these steps, if, if you have a problem, if you have some difficulties in, in your life, you've got some feelings going on in your life, you know, you can't blame many people. You can't blame people anymore now. But once you learn these steps and learn this program, it ain't their fault anymore that you feel bad. If you feel bad, it happens to be your fault from now on. And that's a tough job. <laughs> if you feel bad, it's your fault. It's something that you are not doing. It's not they anymore. It's you. And as we we examine these things on a daily basis. Uh, and, you know, these things sneak back into our lives. Before we know, we ran back into some of them. We're acting some of them out. And we blocked ourselves off from, from the good stuff. Because we, we, we have a right. Whenever we exercise these things, these things will leave our life. So we drive these things out, to, out of our lives. On, and, and over and over, we can slide back and slide back into the scale gets lopsided again. And when it gets lopsided again, we stay there for long enough, and we become restless and irritable and discontent, right? And the sanity, from our, uh, sanity, uh, sanity of alcoholism returns, and we believe we can drink again sometimes. And we walk back in the liquor store to take a drink. When we take a drink, we do depress some of these things. You know, boy, I got, well, I remember when I took a drink, I used to have a lot of patience, <laughs> a lot of tolerance. And just loved everybody. <laughs> Didn't have an enemy in the world. <laughs> but you know, and then over and over and over the troubles. But in life, the real balanced character, we have to work. And it's our responsibility, it's our job. Now, once we have ready for seven, it says, when we're ready, we say something like this My creed, I am, and I will, that you should have all of me, the good and the bad. All of me. I pray that you will now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. We have completed step seven. You know, this step, this step is just like losing weight. Everybody's into losing weight. I know. I, I need to be into it myself. <laughs> I seen that guy the other day that did in 400 pounds the other day. I, but anyway, everybody's into losing weight. And if you go and look on TV, they got some of these different ads, particularly on TV, and they'll tell you, you can eat all you want on this diet and lose weight. 
Don't you believe that? It's just that the same principle implies changing the mind and changing the body. Now, I, obviously, the principle is the same. If you want to change the mind, the same way you change the human body. If you want to change the body, you want to lose some weight, rearrange, you want to do some rearrangements, you want to have a revolutionary change the body. The way we do that is not eat what we want to eat and make ourselves eat what we don't want to eat and we will change accordingly. We will change. Same thing. We have to not eat, number first thing, we have to not eat the things we like. And we got and then we gotta make ourselves eat the things we don't like. I know I was one of those things for a while. It's tough, you know. Yeah. Man, I know so damn much lettuce in the world. <laughs> okay, okay, and that ain't that ain't my thing, you know. See, I had to make, I had to first not eat the cornbread huh? and make myself eat the lettuce. You know? Okay, I had to work against myself. In the same way, we can apply that principle to changing our personality. Not so long ago in Lubell, while I was going through this, Lubell brought me a beautiful jog and said, boy, this for Christmas, she gave me a hint. And uh, it's one of them velour kinds, real soft, you know, nice for the fall. And I like to, and, and, and she brought me some blue shoes to go with it. Now, main thing I do when I get home, I put it on and I lay up on the couch and I eat jelly beans in it. <laughs> And I tell her, this thing don't work, you know. <laughs> but I have to be willing to work against myself. And when you work against yourself, you will lose weight based on those two facts. Based on what you let go of and what you make yourself do. Now this, we can come back to our, our lives are in our hands. We could grow and grow and grow for the rest of our lives. We have the opportunity, and we are blessed in Alcoholics Anonymous to have a program of living. We have the opportunity as a result of being alcoholics and been through what we've been through. We've found a fantastic program, a fantastic procedure. We can grow and grow and grow in our lives and change and change. We could, where people wouldn't even recognize us. We would be such different personalities. And we could overcome many things in our life. But we have this opportunity. Well, sometimes, you know, we, we have a very great, you know, the greatest handicap of it is, you know, we're in love with what we are. We can't be no better because we like what we are. And we ain't willing to give up nothing. So that's the handicap. So it's all about giving up to win. But, you know, the things that we don't want to give up seem very valuable right now. They seem so valuable to me. Because we really can't compare them to the things that we're missing. You know, what are we missing? You know, when you get to a certain, certain point in your life, sometimes you look back on the things you gave up. Boy, they, they look like nothing. You know, they really look like nothing. But you will never know until you never know the better part of life if you're not really give up on the little things. The things that you see as some value. 
And as we begin to practice these two steps, as we said in four, five, six, and seven, in one, two, and three, we put the center of our lives in the correct perspective. In step three, as a result of one and two, we made a decision to let God be a director of our lives. And that is the center of human life. And that's the, that's the correct position of God. God is supposed to be the director of the human life. For the first time in our lives, in, in steps one, two, and three, we got the center of our lives in the right perspectives. And then we were able to go out to work in our minds. Four, five, six, and seven, it's all about ourselves. And I am a product of my mind. So in the, in the, we have the center intact, and now after four, five, six, and seven, we see the things we need. We talked them over another person. We made these adjustments. Now, for the first time, we've got the second area of our lives in order. Now, order to be complete human beings in the last two steps of the program to deal with our outermost dimension, our relationship with others. So in eight and nine, we're going to now that this is it. We got. We, we remember we made a decision. We we said we're willing to go to any length. So we got one more hurdle to go. So next week we'll go into steps eight and nine, the final two steps in the recovery process. Mm -hmm.